0: Welcome to the Canny Conversations podcast, conversations with a cause with social entrepreneur Safraz Ali. He coined a phrase that describes what he does as the mad entrepreneur, that's make a difference entrepreneurship. As well as being the author of the Canny Bites books, Saf's business interests cover health and social care, business and corporate events, as well as him being the CEO of Pathway Group, a welfare to work and skills provider. In each episode, we have a special guest joining Saf in discussion with journalist and broadcaster Adrian Kibler. This week, Saf talks to Anne-Marie Eden, the CEO of National League Football Club Solihull Moors. They discuss her role and the business of football. So let's join the conversation.
1: Hello and welcome to another canny conversation with a cause. And uh, Saf Dali is with me today. How are you, Saf?
0: I'm going
1: to was That was a, a, a very good introduction there, Adrian. One of the things I like to do is make people laugh it, uh, because when people laugh, they're enjoying themselves. I love the body language. And and I think we're going to really enjoy the next half hour because we've got with us Anne Marie Eden. And Anne Marie is chief executive of one of the up and coming football yes. uh, clubs uh, in England. Uh, They play in the uh, Nationwide? The National
2: League. The National League. Well, uh, well, that's
1: a good start from me, isn't it? Um, (laughs) uh, They play in the league, which is the one below what we might think of as the Football League. But they might not be there for that much longer because they potentially uh, could reach the playoffs to to get into into the Football League. Anne-Marie, just just tell us. We're talking in the early spring, uh, late March of 2022. So at this moment in time... Where are you and how are you doing?
2: We're doing all right, actually. I don't want to jinx it at all, but um, at the moment, where we are after Tuesday night when we beat Grimsby 2-1, which is a great win, um, we're fifth in the league. We've got four home games left, um, 11 in total. So it's a bit of a bun fight at, in, in this last month or so to go. But, um, yeah, we're doing really well.
1: So by the time people hear this, could you be at Wembley?
2: We could be at Wembley. We can't mention the well. D- um, word, we're not allowed, not just I mean, yet. And if
1: you are at Wembley, when would that match take place?
2: <laughs> the final is on the 5th of June, so oh, well, yes. What, what do that what
3: are we say good luck, don't we? Fingers crossed, yeah, I think, yeah, luck. yeah. <laughs> it seems very exciting.
2: It is very exciting, but it, it is quite nerve-wracking. So each match imagine. is so crucial, but not even the ones that we're playing in. It's what, we're having to watch what all the others what are others, doing, yeah. who's beating who when we're not even involved. Yeah, so yeah. Um, yes, it's getting quite exciting.
3: I think. <laughs> Are you a football man, Steph? I, I'm not, actually. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not. I mean, I, I obviously watch the World Cup and, and get involved in, the, in some of the bigger, bigger games. My son is a, uh, a player as well uh, in terms of a league that he plays in. Uh, he's uh, 16 now and he, he actively plays and he's been playing for about seven, eight years. Mm. Uh, and all my family, my brothers, brothers, uh, my nephews, they all play. And, and so I'm with them. I uh, you know, cannot be with the family when they're watching and so forth. But I'm not on my own. I'm not really into football in yeah. terms of uh, either a player or even a spectator.
1: Well, for somebody who's not in football, of course, <laughs> you're involved with
3: a football charity, aren't you? Tell us a little I'm, bit about that. I'm involved with two charities, uh, two organisations, one of which is Birmingham Youth Sports Academy, uh, which was set up 20 years ago. And then uh Jab B eight, which is Junior Academy of Birmingham Sports. Birmingham eight B eight is the postcode that the where the club originated from, which is the inner city area in Birmingham. So BYSA Birmingham Youth Sports Academy predominantly works in Small Heath, B ten, and Jabs Junior Academy of Birmingham Sports predominantly in B8.
1: I think he's a football man, don't you?
2: Somebody? Well, that sounds pretty footballish <laughs> to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but also a good cause. Yes, it's a so, cause, yeah. It, yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. All right, Marie, obvious question, a little bit of a cliche, but how did a nice girl like you get involved in football?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I am involved in football, um, but I don't know very much about it. I've learnt more in the last, well, just less than two years than I've ever known about football. The reason... I'm working at Solihull Moors is the role that I was doing before I was working for Jerem's accountants mm. and their major sponsors of Solihull Moors. So when I joined Jerem's, we had a table to host guests at, at every home game. And my role, because I looked after business clients, they said, well, could you help host the table? And I was like, oh, I've got to go to football. Mm. I went the first time, took some clients i thought this is actually really good way okay. of watching football yeah. i didn't realize that i could actually hear what the players were saying okay. i could i was near enough to see what they were doing mm. and understand it it was just a really vibrant afternoon mm. and the people in the boardroom um, all of the sponsors it was fun actually and so I did that for pretty much um, every, well it was every home game I got to know the shareholders the directors the chairman um, and eventually Daryl Eels, who's our chairman mm. asked me to be the CEO and it a little bit of why, because I was—I sort of laugh to start with because yes, I'm—I'm I'm quite good with people. It's people that I mm. do, you know. That's what I do. He wanted me to bring my skills to the football club, and because I'm not swayed, or you know, I don't watch the football, or I'm not swayed by football. Mm. That's actually quite important, and not a lot of people in football roles haven't got a big interest in football. That's not their main. Thing.
1: We're now in our third series, uh, and I know that one of the things that we've talked about and come back to on a number of occasions, stuff is the um, is people, and and I know that you regard you know the people side of things and, and people management and relationships as very important. So, just talk about your you know how you think of people, you know not as units of production, but you know engagement and all the rest of it within within your business.
3: Yeah, just commenting firstly in terms of uh, Darren picking yourself and seeing you know yourself as a sort of a leader uh, to take over the the, the club. I think it it is about recognizing talent. It's about recognizing core skills, and there's certain industries where there's a shortage of the right talent, and you've got to look outward. You know. Yes, there may be people who, you know, love football, love the sport about it, very technical about it. But what you find is that there's an element of then bias that comes in. There's an element in terms yeah. of, you know, uh, very technical no- language and uh, and knowledge. And, and what you need really is sometimes all around leadership skills. And we've done that in our sector as well, where we've recruited from outside the sector, and you know, recruited on on the potential and and really what they bring to the table, which is their management leadership skills. And you know, knowledge you can you can pick knowledge up and you can pick that up. And you've done that over over mm-hmm. as you said the the two year period. But it's about how you relate to people, how you understand things, and how you're able to uh, deal with people predominantly, which is a rare skill, unfortunately. And and we've had to do that in the care sector. There's definitely a shortage of talent there, uh, particularly leadership talent, and there's, we've done that in, our, in the in the training and skills sector. We had to go away and see see where the transferable skills are, and I can exactly see uh, where the chairman mm. has seen that, and, and so you know we need to look outwards because there's just not enough people within that arena that you can go on and and recruit. So mm. yeah,
2: it's it's quite. My background was recruitment, yeah. actually, for many years. <laughs> okay. So um, 18 years, in. Okay. it was a niche area yeah. of recruitment. And so I have looked at where there are gaps. And, and sometimes, and I think with me, companies do well to bring somebody from the, an outside yeah. industry in because they look at it with a different pair of eyes, really. Absolutely. Absolutely. I sometimes question, well, why why do we do that? Oh, well, that's what happens in football. Oh, that's what how it's always been. But it doesn't mean it. It always should be, but it is quite nice to go, well, actually, no, maybe we don't have to carry on. You you get into a way of doing things. And
3: and when you're working for the accountants, Jerome's as well, you've got that business relationship skills. You're not yeah. necessarily the tax expert or the... Oh, absolutely
2: not. <laughs> oh, yeah. and, and that's also why I liked working there. And, and I think that's why they wanted me to work there too, because I spent time with their business clients, yeah. not talking about accountancy, yeah. about everything, other areas of their business and going, oh, oh, so you do that. I would look around factories and, and mm. question what they did and mm. then fill in gaps. Mm. So they had a, a bigger service from mm. their accountants mm. But I wasn't there to talk about the tax side. Mm-hmm. They didn't need me That's to a do very that.
3: technical thing. And again, you're about relationships, picking that up yes. and crossing the dots and connecting people and giving them opportunities. Yeah. And if you've done that at General's in terms of the accountancy, you're doing that again with, with that. So there's a pattern there as well where you know, you're know you able to transfer the skills that you have got because there is there, you know, there, there are general people skills and, yeah. and it's an easy thing to say, but there's an absolute shortage of people who, who've got that level of transferability and just can mm. connect with people on a personal level, on a, on a human level, mm. uh, as opposed to running on technical knowledge. knowledge. Mm. Um, and I think that's a rare thing to do and good on you.
2: <laughs> and also if you're doing it in the care yeah, sector, yeah. that's probably yeah, yeah. You know, quite refreshing actually if you're bringing people in from different industries.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. We've done that with retail where, you know, again, you know, people who are sort of managers of retail branches there's an element of transferable skills there mm. long hours and, and you know it's a pressure high pressure environment and they're coming in managing because you're dealing with finances, you're dealing with people, you're dealing with situations regulations. there's a lot of transferables yeah and then you pick the knowledge up and you, all you're doing is really feeding knowledge over a period of time mm. because they've already got the grounding. Uh, they've already got the traits and they can ask questions and they've got the hunger to do so yeah. uh, which I think is 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 fantastic.
1: What a fantastic little bit of dialogue there. Um, I want to talk a little bit now, both of you, about the importance of passion and also perhaps the problems of passion. Amory, um, before you got the job, were you a more supporter?
2: Nope. <laughs> um, I, well, I was when I joined Jerrams, um, or started to, to come to the matches then. No, I, I wasn't a football supporter of any nature but as soon as I could see a game all the way through it and I got to know who the players were and how they played and if you're talking about passion I could see the passion of the fans the passion of the shareholders and directors on match day the the team as a whole the manager people who were sponsors that's when I became a Solihull Moores fan Mm. Um, because I think it's we're playing to a decent level in the national league so we're big enough to play good football um but we're small enough to have a community passion really um and and that's yeah. why if i had to choose between going to see i don't know man united or Hall moors yeah. i'd choose Hall moors every day of the week cuz
3: you're connected to that. i'm connected to it
2: but it, yeah. it's it, you can actually see the game it, it's, it's you, a you're with, part of it yes yeah. and and i think that's what our Sponsors, the people who attend, whether they're in the hospitality suites or the boxes, or they're just turning up and standing at the side of the pitch, they feel more part of it than if you're you have to look through binoculars from the back row at one of the big Premiership clubs. I asked that
1: question, Saf, for a particular reason because you may recall in earlier in the series one of our guests was talking, and he said that. He knows of one football club that when they're recruiting people into senior positions, they ask them, are you a supporter of this club? And if they say yes, they're excluded. Right. And the reason for that is because if they're a fan, then the fear is that they will make decisions based on emotion Mm. rather than based upon business uh, knowledge. So I have two points which I'd like you to take up. First of all, when you're recruiting people... (laughs) How important for you is a belief that they have a passion for the business? And the second point, which comes back to something Anne-Marie said a few minutes ago, which really struck me, was sometimes it's good to have people come in from outside who haven't got preconceived ideas about how a particular business operates? So, when you're recruiting staff, would you often deliberately say, "Well, actually, I don't want somebody from a training background, or I don't want somebody from a domiciliary care background. I want somebody who can bring something from outside into my business."
3: I mean, there's a there's a certain uh, type of person where you know they do one thing the, the same way that they do it. They do everything, so they want to do the best that they can. They want to do it with 100% in terms of commitment. And they want to get the right results, the best results. And, you know, whether that's sometimes cleaning uh, at, at home or whatever the case is, or tidying up or paint job at home, they'll have the same outlook in terms of their job. They don't half... I'm going to use a word here. <laughs> they're all, they're all half it. I mean, I don't want to use the other word here, but you know, they, they give 100% in terms of yeah. commitment. Uh, they're no shortcuts. They're 100% in, fully committed, fully driving, exactly know what they want to do. And that's how they do everything. That's a trait in people. And when, when you see that, they can apply that to everywhere. So the passion isn't necessarily for that route or a particular way. It's just that's how they are. They want to give 100%. Whether that's a study, whether that's when they're volunteering, whether that's when they're in a job, whether it's a family situation, they're 100% in, they're involved, they're there, they're in the room and they're, they're there. Um, and what about
1: the second point? Bringing people in from different sectors into your businesses,
3: purely as a deliberate
1: move, because they bring a different perspective.
3: I think it depends on the role. So you know, we've had wherever we can, we try and bring people in inside because there is generally a shortage. But what it means is that you've got to understand there's a lag in terms of them being optimised in terms of performance. So there's got to be a plan in terms of how does that work. So you can't just throw people in sometimes in the deep end on its own. There's going to be some sort of plan in terms of how does that work, whether that's a buddying up, whether that's a peer support, whether that's an element of working with you or, you know, whatever it is. If somebody else can work with that individual, it makes it all all the better because there's going to be many, many situations and questions where you need to sort of walk with that person alongside. You know, we've done that a few times. In some cases, cases we've sort of excluded people from the se- from outside the sector because we need somebody with the technical skills that we know we need a quicker result. So it's that time lag. So if we need a result out, in, you know, in, in two months' time, three months' time, you know, we don't have that lead time then. And it's, it depends on the situation. Depends on what your outlook is. Wherever we can, you know, it depends on whether that recruitment is a need now or recruitment is a part of your growth you know, and therefore you've got that time. You know, we, we've had both sides, really.
2: It's quite tricky, recruiting, isn't it? it? People think, oh, so-and-so's left. I just need to replace them. I need to find another j it's,
3: it's a bit j late blocks. then, think, And,
2: and it's, it, it's not necessarily recruiting like for like. I spent, obviously, my recruitment background for many years, but one of the, the roles I did was helping um, a headhunting firm and... So if they were re- trying to replace somebody on a board, they'd say, oh, the FD's left, so we need to replace the FD. Here are some FDs. They just wanted CVs of FDs. And, mm. and it isn't like that. You have to actually look at the personalities and the traits of everybody else on that board. And it's the same for any group of employment, whether it's a team, a um, small team or a big team. It, you need the right mix of personality um, the way they deal with things, not having everybody the same, or else the business is never going to go anywhere. It will just remain static, which it's yeah. not just like for like. Just
1: for our listeners, just to remind you, in case you've forgotten, you are listening to a canny conversation with a course, And we very much hope that if you're enjoying what you're listening to, like us and subscribe. And, of course, give us any feedback that you might have because your views are very important. And Marie, I come from an aviation background and there's an old saying in aviation, how do you make a millionaire? You get a billionaire to buy into a, an airline. <laughs> uh, is football a bit like that? Or is it a real business or, or, or not?
2: Oh, it is a business. Football is completely a business. There's such a a wide range of football clubs, obviously. There's silly money up in the Premiership and I wouldn't know where to begin to be involved in that. But when you're looking at, um, say, Solihull Moors, for Mm. example... It's a business with very many strands to it. It's not just football. We've got re- the retail side, we've got events, we've got the hospitality, um, we've got sponsorship, we've got a women's team, we've got a hun- over 100 youth and junior teams playing for us across the Midlands. So that's a business that needs running in itself. We've got Sully Hallmore's foundation, which is the charity arm. So that's a separate business entity. So yes, football is very much a business, but football is the bit in the middle, um, but there are so many other elements around it. So it, it does have to have business people in there, not just like you said, f- football fans that happen to be wanting to apply to work within a football club. It wouldn't work.
1: So, one of the things that you you've talked about a lot and are very involved and interested in is recruitment uh, and building teams uh, uh, of different talents. I mean, I'd imagine in football, I don't know many what the what the situation is with the with the Moors, but I, I guess probably the football side of things is something that you don't get involved with. I mean, no. you're not choosing who's centre forward, who's no. who's in goal today, <laughs> No. Um, but. In terms of, you know, managing people, Saf, you've talked a lot about developing talent and and all the rest of it and the dangers of egos. And I, I would imagine in football that egos are not always in short supply. So, Saf, how do you strike that balance between somebody who might join the team who's perhaps extremely talented and gifted but perhaps might not be quite so strong when it comes to... Being a team player. Yeah,
3: I think I'm really sort of touched on it in terms of the whole team outlook. You know, when you're recruiting, you're recruiting for a particular uh, team. So you're not really recruiting that individual in terms of that skill set. So you're looking at how is that going to affect the team dynamics and does that team together gonna to go forward or is there gonna be any obstacles? And again you go back to that definition of a team it's not a team of just people working together. It's about you know we're a team because we make each other stronger. If you go back to that core, the fact that we're only a team, because if we make each other stronger, and if that's the the ultimate, then if somebody in there is strong as an individual but doesn't make this team stronger, then that is damaging the team. And therefore, you know, we don't really need a rock star type of individual uh, who is stronger on their own but everybody or the team as a collective is weak. So if we go back to that, I think that answers Mm. in most situations and it's really whether that collective is stronger together and if it's not stronger together then we have a problem. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's that's not just football, that's across the spectrum in any type of team. Is that a particular problem in
1: football Anne-Marie?
2: I've if I can just give one example, I have seen and this is talking about the players rather than any of the mm. football staff in a, in a team where there was a really, he was a very good player, but actually it, he had a negative effect off the pitch mm. within the rest of the team. And I'm not necessarily talking about Moores here, but I just know of mm. this. And actually, it's quite a brave thing to do to not have that person playing in your team because of, of yes, tough, really... It's taking a chance of getting rid of somebody or moving them or changing them. Because if it's going to disrupt the rest of the team, and you'll see that in any business, you can relate that to accountancy where I've worked or a law firm, but it it is quite a tough decision.
3: I've seen it. I've seen it in in, an example. I mean, not not necessarily relating to our work, but in in even a restaurant. We had this um, customer of ours. The rest, you know, we were delivering food hygiene training and and some management training, and this waiter was fantastic. You know, really good in terms of the attention. He knew the customers' detail, the the names. Mm. He was really attentive, and he always got you know the tips and so forth and whatever. But as a team player in terms of the kitchen and so forth, very disruptive. Uh, very disruptive in terms of you know the chef and and so forth and the uh, the owner business owner had to make the decision to let that person go you know he tried his best to try and get that team and what and that was a risk because the customers loved it yeah. the, the the customers really enjoyed that experience and he's thinking to myself okay i'll leave this person here but i've got then six seven other individuals who just don't like coming here they don't like working in this environment and it's a, it's a toxic type situation. And what do I what do I do? The thing is sometimes making that decision, which is a tougher decision, because then you've got 30, 40 customers who are regulars who are gonna say, Where's mm. X person? And it's a difficult one. It's it is an absolutely difficult, difficult.
2: Yes, and the same imagine. with fans.
3: I'm sure mm. you know if you've had to remove players or whatever, they don't understand the fact Ooh. that you
2: know. <laughs> no, you were saying about uh, bringing fans into work, but um, we've got this fans forum, there's Twitter, social media has got a lot to answer for, really, and we see it from a solihull Moore's point of view. Never mind all the bigger clubs, but they're very quick. To give their opinion straight away. Why is our, our manager yeah, yeah. not playing so-and-so? Why are they, did they take yeah. so-and-so off? We wouldn't do that. Oh, why have you not got them in goal? Or, yeah, you know, all of those questions. <laughs> they have got an opinion, but they're a fan and they don't know the business. No. They don't know what the, the business plan is or what's going on. You know, we've got an amazing manager at the moment, Neil Ardley. And He's not silly. He will know what he's planning. Why he's not so and sos not playing today. There are reasons for it. It's not just yeah. oh, ten minutes before kickoff. Oh, I think I'll pick you. Yeah, yeah. But the fans don't seem to to understand that.
3: <laughs> and uh, they, don't, they don't. They don't want to really to a certain level because they are to a certain le- to a certain mind. This is what this, it's. It's right, like right or wrong. You know, there's no grey here. No. You know, it's this way or it isn't. And this is one of the things that I, when I have conversations with my brother, is that I don't go into any conversation with him where I say, you know, if we're going to have a conversation on this, you've got to be able to change your mind. Are you able to change your mind on this topic? If not, there's no point us having a conversation. It's like, you know, if, you know, one of them is a Liverpool player, a supporter, the other one is a Manchester United supporter. <laughs> and they have these debates, and I'm saying, what's the purpose of this? All he does is winds you both up. It's like, you know, if you're not going to change your mind on something, uh, if I say, you know what, yeah, on this topic, I'm happy to have a conversation with you, but Adrian, but we, the prerequisite is we've got to be open minded and you have to say, you know, if you change your mind or some outlook of it, are you prepared to do that? And if you're not, then there's no point. That's my outlook anyway. And then I, I say, well, there's no point even talking about these topics. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's so simple, but there you go. Yeah. Sometimes
1: when you watch a game of football, the whistle goes, and you think, well, where the heck has that all that time gone? Absolutely. Because it's been so interesting and so exciting. Um, time is moving on, so I am going to put us now into extra time.
2: Okay. Ooh, okay. We, are now, we, are now, we are
1: now in a bit of extra time uh, because I don't want to leave without spending a, a couple of minutes on this particular topic. Saf, so you've talked a lot. Um, and written in your book, Scanny Conversations, which are the basis for this podcast series. You've talked about some of the issues involved in scaling up a business. Let's all keep our fingers and everything else crossed, um, Anne-Marie. And and if this year, and if not this year, no doubt fairly soon, you will be promoted to a higher league. I'm sure that's very exciting, but it also, I guess, presents some challenges as well. So what are the sort of challenges when when you sort of, grow and get into a higher league because um, there are challenges, aren't there?
2: There will be amazing challenges. They're quite exciting challenges. It will be a really great journey, to be fair. I think getting out of this league is a very hard lead to get out of. And you might think, Oh, I should be feeling scared or, you know, it's, you know, the chairman and the boards of directors and the shareholders are the ones that will have a, a big impact on this. But I can't think of anything negative at all of the challenges ahead because when you leave this league, um, you're given extra money, suddenly from nowhere there'll be new Solihull Moors fans that will appear so we'll have greater um, gate revenue coming in. Um, Everything will just be enhanced. So apart from... But that will include the cost, won't it? The cost of paying the players, but we'll be gaining more revenue. The league give you, I think it's a million pounds when you you go up a league, but we'll be gaining so much more. So... I know that sounds a bit of a flippant answer, but no, I, just no, no, thought, no. I just see it as an exciting challenge. And then, whatever, you know,
1: you should be excited by it's, it. It's like any?
3: saying, you know, we're going to open another store, but yes, there's going to be more costs, but there's going to be more, there's going to be yes. definitely more revenue. You know, yeah, it's, it's a glass half full, a glass half empty. Yes, we're going to open another branch or we're going to have another part of the business. We should be excited to say, yeah, you know what, we're growing, not, oh, you've got to pay more staff now. Yes, of course <laughs> we've got to pay more staff. <laughs> yeah. Come on. So, so so, we started <laughs> up this conversation,
1: but Saf wasn't really a football man. Oh, then,
3: then we discovered
1: that he was. And I'm sure uh, if he you, you, you goes on a Saturday afternoon and watches the game uh, at the Solihull. I'm North, looking for the invite to the next. Uh, well, I'm sure he'll be yeah. very excited. <laughs> very quickly, Anne Marie, because I, I want to ask you this. You've said it's so much more than a football club, yeah. although the football is at the core. Just tell us about some of the other facilities you've got there because you've got conference facilities, social facilities, and oh, all the rest of it.
2: It's amazing. Yes, we have. We've got a really lovely hospitality suite that now, every match day, we've got it's full. We've got about 130 people in the hospitality. We've got twenty executive boxes, which are beautiful. They've they've hardly been used because they were they were finished, and we've had one. I think it was one full season, then COVID, um, and they're full um, the majority of the time um, for the matches. We've got um, we've got another function suite, which is we've got christenings parties there that are filling up. It was it was heartbreaking, really, through lockdown when they're all stood there empty, like most places. But, you know, I, I touched on the fact that we've got 100 youth and junior teams playing for us. So all of those boys and girls across the region are all part of Solihull Moors. And that's an, a massive element. One of the things that we're looking at is the lovely, um the, the beautiful facilities that we do have. And when they're not used in the week, they are so suitable for offices, yeah. an office space. Yeah. And one of Daryl's businesses is Workwise in San Francisco. And that is a bit like Regis and we work. And we're just in the middle of looking at adapting our facilities into a similar thing for in the week. We've got 250 car parking spaces. We're on the edge of, you know, Birmingham International and on the edge of Sully Hull. It's perfect for people to either be in the the function room, which can be like a communal working mm. environment, or actually having private offices or a combination of the two. Um, there's so much flexible working and we just sat there. Mm.
1: I think you scored in extra time, don't you, Seth? Oh, Before I... Bring the whistle to my lips. Stuff. is there anything <laughs> that you want to add? I, I, given that Anne Maria has just slotted the ball yeah. neatly into the net.
3: hats so, off there because it, it just makes you realise that you're actually, it's quite a complicated business. It's not a type of business, it's a multiple you revenue streams. So it's a, there's a obviously a property asset there so you're an estate manager to a certain level you're a catering you know you've got to have yes. the catering hat on you've got your retail hat on then you've got your football thing then you've got your corporate you've got your nets networking you've got your events it's about eight ten eight to ten businesses and you've got and it's a w- very wide uh, a- arena so you know hats off to you and,
2: mm-hmm. and Marie. Yeah, it's been, thank you <laughs> <laughs> and you. <laughs> it's
1: thank been you. a really good conversation a lot of stuff in there Um, Anne-Marie is also um, going to be talking to us uh, in another episode Um, so she will be back which is wonderful news but time has beaten us as it does at the end of the 90 minutes of a football match Um, so I am going now to curtail this canny conversation with a cause the crowd have been blowing the whistle for some time to get us to finish the game (laughs) like us subscribe and until the next time stay safe
0: Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this canny conversation with the cause. These conversations are based upon the Canny Bites books by Safras Ali, available on Amazon. To find out more, go online and visit Saf's website, pathwaygroup.co.uk, or join him on social media. He can be contacted at safras at pathwaygroup.co.uk. Canning Conversations with the Cause are produced by Pathway Group, who have a mission to change lives through skills and work. And they do this through upskilling and reskilling individuals by getting them firstly into sustainable employment and tackling the talent and skills issues commonly faced by businesses. In addition to their core skills and employability business, Pathway Group also actively promote diversity, equality and inclusion and have initiated causes such as the BAME Apprentice Network, the BAME Apprenticeship Awards, and the Festival of Apprenticeships. This is a 1386 audio production.